Hello and welcome back to the Bible Podcast. Today is June 3rd and we're entering into the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah left a comfortable job as an assistant to the king of Persia in order to help the demoralized people of Jerusalem. His new work involved motivating the people to rebuild the city's walls in spite of their neighbor's opposition. Nehemiah's work was not just with bricks and mortar. He also mediated a financial crisis, initiated religious reforms with the help of Ezra the scribe, and reorganized civic responsibilities in Jerusalem. Nehemiah demonstrated that with faith, prayer, integrity, and God's help, God's servants can succeed. Ezra didn't solve all the problems in Jerusalem. The people still did not have a secure city with rebuilt walls and gates, and numerous enemies still opposed their presence in Jerusalem. They needed a strong civic leader who could help them preserve the independence, economic vitality, security, and sanctity of Jerusalem. God sent a new leader, Nehemiah, to address these issues. Nehemiah is all about leadership, and he encouraged the people to rise up and build. Today we're going to cover Nehemiah chapters 1 through 3. Let's begin. Chapter 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Chapter 2. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, 
How can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So, though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, Yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. I replied, The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Chapter 3 Then Eliashib the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep's Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the walls as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Meshezebel, and then Zadok, son of Banna. Next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of Bezodiah. 
they laid the beam, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Malatiah from Gibeon, Jadon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizbah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, son of Harhiah, a goldsmith by trade, who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next, Jediah, son of Haramoth, repaired the wall across from his own house. And next to him was Hattush, son of Hashabniah. Then came Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pehath Moab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Haloesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zenoah, led by Hanun. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars, and they also repaired the 1,500 feet of wall to the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, the leader of the Beth Hakarim district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kol Jose, the leader of the Mizpah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, the leader of half the district of Beth Zur. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tombs of David's family as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehum, son of Bani. Then came Hashabiah, the leader of the half-district of Keilah, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next, down the line, were his countrymen, led by Binuai, son of Hanadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Keilah. Next to them, Ezer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of wall across from the ascent to the armory near the angle in the wall. Next to him was Baruch, son of Zabai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Merimuth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, rebuilt another section of the wall extending from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired the section across from their house, and Azariah, son of Maziah and grandson of Ananiah, repaired the section across from his house. Next was Benuai, son of Hanadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. Palal, son of Uzai, carried on the work from a point opposite the angle and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Padiah, son of Parosh, with the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as the point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Then came the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next, Zadok, son of Imer, 
also rebuilt the wall across from his own house. And beyond him was Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section, while Meshulam, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants, across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner to the sheep's gate. The wall of Jerusalem had great political, social, and religious significance for the people of Judah. The destroyed wall was a shameful reminder that God had destroyed the city, fulfilling the covenant curses because of the people's sin. Consequently, the rebuilt wall would be a sign of God's blessing and proof that God was bringing the promised restoration to his covenant people. Israel's enemies knew that if the wall was rebuilt, the Jewish people would gain political power, security, and self-determination, and so they opposed it fiercely. Unfortunately, we're unable to fully reconstruct the Jerusalem of Nehemiah's day and the location of his walls. Many of the landmarks mentioned in Nehemiah were destroyed during Herod the Great's renovations some 400 years later, 37 down to 4 BC. And here in modern times, only limited excavation is permitted in Jerusalem. Many scholars now believe that Nehemiah's restoration project included only the wall around the city of David on the eastern hill. The speed and success of the reconstruction is a witness to all believers that with God's help, his people can accomplish amazing things. Nehemiah was a powerful leader of God's people living in Judea following the exile. Nehemiah improved the morale and strength of God's people in the midst of their difficulties. Before Nehemiah returned to Judea, he was cupbearer to the Persian king Artaxerxes from 465 to 424 BC. The cupbearer brought the king his wine, tasting it first to make sure it wasn't poisoned, and was his trusted confidant and advisor. Nehemiah was moved with compassion when he heard reports about Jerusalem's sad state and asked the king's permission to return to Judea to help his people. The king made him governor of the province of Judea for 12 years to aid his fellow Jews and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah had the support of the Persian king, but he faced opposition from the inhabitants of the land. These people were Samaritans who were a mixed heritage who lived in the north. Nehemiah showed great courage and skill as he successfully helped the people of Judea rebuild the walls that protected Jerusalem. Nehemiah had a strong personal faith, as seen by his prayers, and his confidence in divine guidance and help. He advocated economic justice. He rebuked a few rich Judeans who were exploiting a food shortage by exacting high interest from their poorer brothers, and he provided an example of better conduct. Nehemiah was vitally concerned about the people's faithfulness, and he individually confronted men who had married pagan women. He had a strong interest in maintaining temple worship, and he led the Jewish community to pledge to support temple personnel and provide offerings. He also reformed Sabbath observance. Although there were still problems at the end of his tenure in Jerusalem, Nehemiah was a forceful leader who restored a national and religious identity to the Jewish settlers in a period of political and economic weakness. Looking back in recent history, the Duke of Windsor and Mrs. Wallace Warfield Simpson were married on this day in 1937. The Duke, as King Edward VIII, 
had abdicated the throne so he could marry the American divorcee. Edward had become King of Britain on January 20, 1936, and gave up the throne on December 11th that same year. He fell in love with Simpson, but his government and many of his subjects were opposed to accepting her as queen, causing him to abdicate and leave England in self-imposed exile. His brother, George VI, who succeeded him, gave him the title Duke of Windsor. Many feel that Edward selfishly turned his back on his God-ordained duty. Nehemiah certainly did not abdicate his role when God called him to do something about the Jerusalem problem. Nehemiah held the distinguished position of cupbearer to the king of the Persian Empire. This was an office of trust, tasting the king's wine and food. The cupbearer stood between the king and death. That Nehemiah, a Jew and a captive, served this Gentile king in such a strategic capacity was an unusual credit and honor to this man of strong character. When visitors to Susa informed Nehemiah that Jerusalem's walls were in ruin, he was so upset he cried and mourned for days. He prayed, and King Artaxerxes permitted him to go to Jerusalem. Looking deeper, bad news is not always bad. Nehemiah received the bad news from Jerusalem. However, that prompted him to start praying so something could be done about the problems. Going to God must be our first reaction to hard situations. Nehemiah talked to God before he dared talk with the king. He knew that God alone could help. Praise reinforces God's promises, paving the way for our faith. As Nehemiah praised God for his goodness, faith was built in his heart for his people and their nation. No matter what our job, God has strategically placed us. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, and as such, he did not expect to have the power to influence but he did. God answers prayer at unexpected times in unexpected ways. While Nehemiah was serving the king, the answer to his prayer suddenly arrived in stunning fulfillment. So taking Nehemiah as an example, he mourned, he prayed, and through God's will was able to take action. And I just encourage you today to not focus so much on the problem, but focus on the solution. And it may be a simple solution, two steps, three steps, or it may be a complex solution that might take 10 steps to uh, fulfill. But don't spend so much time focused on the problem, but focus on the solution. Let's pray. Help me, Lord, to never forget the power of prayer. You do hear and you will answer my pleas. Thank you for speaking to my heart and letting me work for you. In Jesus' name. Excited about Nehemiah, folks. Uh, looking forward to being with you tomorrow, June 4th, as we continue through Nehemiah chapters 4 through 6.